Cochrane for all. Better evidence for better health decisions. Welcome back, everyone, to the Cochrane for All podcast. I'm really looking forward to this interview. I've got Emma Cartwright and Jess Rees here, who um, are sort of two days into the Cochrane Colloquium. Hello to you both. Hello. Hi. So, Emma, I think I'd love to hear a little bit about your story because you, like me, are a type 1 diabetic and you're a recipient, a recipient rather, of the inaugural Rosamund Snow Prize, as you both are. Um, tell us a bit about the links between you and Rosamund. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, as you said, both Rosamund and I have had type 1 diabetes um, and I wrote an article for the BMJ patient perspective piece around type 1 diabetes and they sent me Rosamund's article that she'd written about what life was like living with with type 1 and I really resonated with me and when I was reading it could really see a lot of myself in that and I started to look up her story and I found that we'd both worked in in, or had an interest in health behaviour research Um, we'd both done our master's projects on people with type 1 diabetes not engaging with health services we'd both worked at the University of Oxford in the same same department and I have now taken up um, a role with the BMJ taking over her her series uh, What Your Patient Is Thinking so there's many times our lives seem to have crossed paths Tell us a bit about that series, because that's quite an unusual series in the BMJ. So, yeah, I, I really loved the fact that that existed. Um, but, yeah, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So the What Your Patient Is Thinking series is completely written by patients um, and edited by patients, myself. Um, and it's really just an opportunity for patients to write uh, their experience of something that's happened to them within the health service but with the intention that there's going to be some learning points for healthcare professionals. So we really like it to be very informal. It's a very short piece. Um, and we just want people to write about something that's happened to them that they think healthcare professionals could learn from. So it's a, a very positive kind of series, um, but also a very real series. So we really encourage people to just write their own story and it to be very true to life. Um, and for a lot of healthcare professionals, it's their chance to really read what it's like to really live with a condition or to go through a, an experience within the healthcare system or to be a carer um, and, and have to, what you have to, what that feels like, the challenges that you face and what they could do to make those things easier. So, yeah. You've both been to a major kind of Cochrane colloquium for the first time. Jess, how has it kind of worked for you? Um, it's my first ever global conference. Um, I've been absolutely amazed and humbled by the content and the people that are coming out of it and that I get to meet. Um, only today I've met a lady from Japan who was running her very own informed consent campaign. Um, and I think it's been, as a student, eye-opening to see where research can take you, um, out of the maybe out of the confines of your your own university um your own interests um and the power of networking really and expanding your horizons and how have you kind of found the scientific researcher full of difficult words Mm. nature of this Mm. so i'm at 
just about to start my second year at university doing a nursing degree um, and my research knowledge is so far very limited um, and Cochrane have done a really good job of identifying um, consumer suitable or tailored to um, events and we've actually attended a few of them together. Um, it's not perfect, there are still definitely um, key terms that you need clarification on, that you need to ask about. Um, it's been a really good learning opportunity, but I can see that you want to feel um, comfortable to ask those questions um, and not to feel um, unwelcome or stupid for raising those. And is that about um, the way those sessions are chaired and facilitated and the way the, the speakers kind of present their content? Um, presumably that's, there's a big variation in how that's mm. being done. Mm. Um, yes, I think the workshop style... Um, seminar events um, are definitely more open to group discussion and being a lot more vulnerable I think the plenaries the keynotes and some of the oral sessions where it's very much um, being talked at from someone that might be more senior than you or more knowledgeable um, I think a consumer or a patient would find it a lot harder to raise a question um, but the jargon bin um, work that the Beyond the Room team um, are doing is amazing and personally I found it very useful. You don't have to say that just because I'm here. Um, I'm not involved Honestly, in that anyway. Been, yeah, <laughs> it's, been, it's been only only this morning um, a man on our table in the workshop. Um, we were in the five minutes of getting to know each other and he said, I have a really stupid question but I just, I don't know the difference between qualitative and quantitative research. That's a really big question that hasn't been answered because it's assumed that everybody would know it. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that was very eye-opening and a good lesson for everybody. Yeah, that is really interesting. Actually, when Sally asked the question this morning about whether policymakers prefer qualitative or quantitative, she leaned over and said to me, should I define what those things are? Because people probably won't know that. And I said, no, don't worry, it'll be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, Emma, tell us a bit about your experience of this event. Have you found it kind of open and welcoming and have, have there been enough patients here yeah it's been really difficult to know who the patients are and I think mm. in some ways that's been a really good thing because it's been really everyone's been really mixed in together um, and it's not there hasn't been that separation of your patients you're over there and your researchers and, and having that so it's been really nice actually that everybody's just been together and it's given us a really good opportunity to as patients talk to researchers in on an open platform um, and as Jess said like in the the workshops where there's been small group discussions it's been really nice to be able to have those mixed opinions um, but I think it'd be really nice to have an opportunity to meet other other patients while we're here um, and just to have that a space or something to be able to to really meet people because um, that's something yeah it's been really difficult to differentiate who's a patient and who's a researcher so yeah I guess we do all have that dual role yeah I was talking to Mark Taylor earlier on who's doing one of the keynotes tomorrow and he talks a lot about his own experience of multiple sclerosis I've got depression and anxiety and diabetes and I talk about that a bit but I'm here as a as an elf, as an information scientist, you know, that's what I'm doing here. Yeah. So, I don't know, how do you think Cochrane can actually be a bit more overt in making patients more, you know, the centre of this kind of event? I think certainly one of the things that I thought was, with, certainly with the, the keynote that we've seen so far, um, although there has been sessions about patients and about patient experiences, none of those have been by patients themselves. And I think it would be really amazing to see Cochrane take it a step further and have 
patients themselves talking about their experiences, not just researchers or healthcare professionals talking about patients' experiences. So I think for me, that would be a really big step forward. Yeah. And how would that work? So like for you, for example, with your type 1 diabetes, give us an example of how you think that could work in the context of this kind of event. Um, I think there's a couple of ways. I mean, certainly I've been to a couple of sessions, smaller sessions where they've had um, a researcher who's been talking about the research and then also a patient with them who was involved in the research as well. And it's been a dual presentation. I think that works really, really well because you then get both of the perspectives. And also that's then much more interesting, I think, for everybody in the room, that it caters to everybody's interests. So I think that would be one way of doing it. And I think another way is all the stuff that we're doing in terms of you know podcasts and Twitter and things like that, to have some you know, real patients like us and, and you being able to give our thoughts and, and things on what's happening in the research. So kind of translating their presentations through the eyes of a patient out to everybody else I think is a great great way of doing it yeah very much so how about you Jess have you got any thoughts on that um I, like just like Emma said my favorite presentation so far has been one between a speech and language therapist and one of her uh peer-led research um, patients and they they've blogged about their experience working together um, incredibly eloquently and it's uh, that sort of role modeling I think is really important to kind of provide other researchers with a means to see how it can be done because it is being done but maybe it isn't being broadcast and celebrated so so far I think they've been Cochrane have been doing a great great job at, um, having dual presentations but there should be more the thing I often hear from frontline nurses is that Cochrane isn't really relevant to them, um, either because there are no um, recommendations that come out of the reviews because there's not good enough evidence to make any recommendations, you know, that's 90% of Cochrane reviews, or actually just um, systematic reviews themselves aren't relevant to them because, you know, it's a different type of evidence maybe that they're looking for in the vast majority of their questions. Have you got a sense of that from your training so far? Um, yes, and I came across um, Cochrane just through writing an essay, really. Is that something just as basic as that? But that was from the academic side of my work. And the clinical side, um, as nurses, research is extremely important, but kind of shied away from in the sense of empowering our patients. And I think a lot of the work that Cochrane does and produces is plain language summaries. It's content for patients. So as a nurse or a healthcare professional... I want to be able to share this with my patients and sort of give them the resources to digest it themselves and sort of be the sort of signposter for the research. Yeah, very much so. Well, it's brilliant that you're doing this here. I'm really pleased that you're here, but I'd love to see like 200 of you Agreed. here next year. Agreed. Thanks a lot for talking to me. Yeah, thank you for thank having you. us. Cochrane for all. Better evidence for everyone. Follow the hashtag Cochrane for All to get the science and evidence to empower better decisions.